everybody. Welcome to ARE Live. I'm Mark Tier, the founder and CEO here at Black Spectacles, and I'm joined with our producer, Patrick Finnegan, and architect, Garrick Baker. Uh, Garrick is going to review uh, several construction and evaluation mock exam questions uh, today. We're going to go through uh, questions that cover, of course, CE knowledge and skills related to some things like understanding your role during the bidding process, addressing safety concerns on site, and implications of paying or withholding certificates of payment. Uh, a few updates for you. If you're joining us for the first time, Black Spectacles is the leader in ARE prep. We work with learning scientists and architects to ensure you're studying the right material and that you retain it so that you pass it on the first try. Uh, we've built everything that you need to pass the exams, including new video lectures with motion graphics and 3D animation, practice exams that are as close to the real thing as you can possibly get, uh, flashcards, quizzes, and virtual workshops. And they're all built upon a curriculum that ensures you're learning the right material and they all work together on our custom-built uh, web platform to ensure that you retain the information so you remember it for the exams. That's why our pass rates are 50% higher than the national average and why our members report passing at half the time of the national average. So if you want to learn more about uh, uh, our learning materials for ARE prep, you can visit blackspectacles.com. And if you're ready to get studying uh, right away, uh, stick around to the end of today's episode so you can take advantage of our discount for individual memberships. As a reminder, we offer a referral program for firms in schools, where if you introduce us to your boss or whoever that uh, you know, sort of key decision uh, maker is at your office, and if they sign up, we'll give you a $250 gift card. In fact, in, uh, Patrick, uh, we've given a couple of those out, uh, I think just in the last uh, week or two. So it's been awesome. Uh, so to participate, follow the instructions on blackspectacles.com slash group dash referral. Um, that's where you're going to find uh, everything about that. Our next uh, ARE Live will be January 17th of 2024, where we'll be discussing the PDD exam. Uh, that's, of course, one of the big ones. Um, you can go to blackspectacles.com slash podcast to sign up for that one. We're going to be engaging exclusively today on our online ARE community. Um, so head over to community.blackspectacles.com, and right at the top, you'll see that we've pinned a thread uh, up there. If you have a question uh, as we're going through ARE Live today, you can post your question there and we'll answer your questions right there on the ARE community, or maybe I'll actually grab them and uh, ask them uh, you know, to Garrick during the session. One uh, fun thing we like to do, everyone who posts in that thread today will be eligible to win a free Black Spectacles t-shirt. Literally all you have to do is go over to, the, to that uh, post, say hello, and boom, you're registered. Uh, and of course, don't forget to stay tuned uh, until the end of the episode to see if you've won. So uh, with that, I'd like to welcome today's guest, Garrick Baker. In addition to working with us here at Black Spectacles, Garrick is an architect based in Kansas. Welcome, Garrick. Thanks, Mark. Uh, very excited to be here again. Uh, again, um, welcome, everybody. Thank you again for taking time out of your schedule uh, to go through some of the CE objectives with us. Uh, how we've structured uh, today's podcast is a lot like we do our online workshops that we do. Um, so you'll see how all of that functions. So if you've uh, ever been curious about uh, what it's like to attend one of those, uh, here you go. And hopefully you guys can sign up and uh, participate in those more. Uh, one thing we like to do as well is we kind of talk through our summary of topics. So on today's session, we'll be featuring a CE mock exam that covers the following topics. So we're going to look at our role during the bidding process, uh, what it means to be rejecting and accepting bids and advising our clients. We'll be addressing safety concerns on site and why that's important. 
and then basic definitions of key construction terms, uh, such as things as like retainage, liquidated damages, or consequential damages. And really what we're doing there is just trying to set up our foundation so uh, we really understand kind of what we're getting into into that fourth question there uh, of implications of paying or withholding certificates of payment. So let's go ahead and dive right in. So you are working with a client on a project that has recently received four bids for construction. You review the bid tabulation with the owner and provide the following information. Number one, contractor one submitted a bid 10 minutes late, but the forms are complete and is the second lowest bid. Number two, contractor two submitted a bid $50,000 less than all other bids with all forms turned in on time. Number three, contractor three submitted the highest bid, but with complete and timely forms. Number four, contractor four is the third lowest bidder and has completed all of the forms and submitted them on time. And then five, all bids are lower than the architect's estimate and the owner's anticipated cost. So how would you advise your client to review the bids for selecting a contractor? We've got our options here. A, inform the owner that you have rejected contractor one's bid because they submitted 10 minutes late and therefore did not meet the requirements of the bid process. B, indicate that if a bid comes in substantially lower than their competitors, in the case of contractor two's bid, this bid should potentially be disqualified because something may be missing and resulting in a discrepancy. C, let the owner know that you have selected to disqualify or reject contractor one and contractor two because their bids were late or incomplete. You then selected contractor four because they were the next lowest bidder. Or D, ignore any discrepancies because all of the bids have been received and all are in amounts lower than the anticipated cost. Therefore, select contractor two as the lowest bidder and the best price contractor. So those are our options there. Now let's take a look at what our correct answer might be. Uh, while some of, um, or all of the options may seem somewhat reasonable here, uh, we're gonna go ahead and select option B. Indicate that a bid comes in substantially lower than their competitors. In the case of contractors two bid, this bid should potentially be disqualified because something may be missing and resulting in a discrepancy. So this answer shows an intent to advise or reveal the facts of the bids rather than uh, deciding for the owner. So if the bidder has potentially missed something in their bid, they could potentially miss something on the project, which would mean this contractor, while they're being responsive and getting their forms in time, uh, may not be responsible because it's that much lower than everybody else. So now that we kind of know which answer is the correct one, we'll also take a look at why uh, some of our other ones were incorrect. So informing the owner that you have rejected contractor one's bid, that's why this one is incorrect. The architect does not have the authority to reject or deny any bids during the process, and the decision ultimately is that of the owner. However, this should be noted with the owner, if a bid is received late, it could be perceived as giving the contractor time to revise their bid. Uh, so if we kind of have those bids coming in late, um, maybe they have a chance to overhear the bid opening. Uh, so they strike out a number and write in something lower uh, just to make their bid the lowest. Um, so that doesn't really go over too well sometimes. 
let's also look at C and D here. So let the owner know that you have selected to disqualify or reject contractor one and contractor two. So why is this one wrong? Just as with option A above, it is not our responsibility, nor do we have the given authority to reject bids or contractors. We can establish the findings of the bids and allow the owner to determine which contractor to select. And then option D, so ignore any discrepancies. So while we're pretty happy that our bids all came back in lower than what we thought, and the owner will be pretty darn happy uh, to see something uh, much cheaper than they thought, um, again, it comes down to the owner's decision, but we need to know all of those discrepancies or inconsistencies uh, with the owner prior to their selection so that they can make an informed decision. So in this instance, we're going with option B. All right, so that's a good uh, description. I don't have any or good uh, clarification on the different answers. I don't have any questions from anyone. So just a reminder, uh, uh, community.blackspectacles.com, if you have any questions, uh, drop them in there. It looks like a couple of people are saying hello. So uh, go right ahead, Garrick. Yeah, uh, just like in our workshops, um, we always say the more you uh, participate, the more you get out of the workshops, uh, more feedback yep. to provide. Um, really helps us as kind of those leading it. If you have any questions, we get to help fill in those gaps uh, or maybe help clarify things. So yeah, be sure to ask those questions. So question number two here, the owner has made their selection of a responsible bidder and the project has proceeded. During the roofing phase, which is about 65% complete, you make a site visit. While on site, you notice that the roofing subcontractor has not provided their crew with safety harnesses and tie-off points. What should you do in this instance? So we have three options here. A, notify the general contractor that while on site, you notice the roofers did not have safety equipment. B, indicate that the crew should be wearing harnesses and all work should stop until they are safely secured. Or C, make no comment because the roofers are nearly complete with their work. So in this instance, uh, we're going to go ahead and say we're going to notify the general contractor that while on site, you notice the roofers did not have safety equipment. So why does this matter uh, in relation to some of the others? So job site safety is the responsibility of the general contractor. If the architect advises a safety practice in any manner, they can be perceived as taking control of the site or the safety on the site, uh, resulting in additional liability that we really don't uh, want or need on there. So the safety and security, sole responsibility of our general contractor. By simply notifying them, we have acknowledged the situation uh, without making any recommendations or um, taking any action that might be misconstrued as um, taking control of the site. Whenever we're uh, not making a comment, such as in C, <laughs> ethics aside, um, let's say somebody uh, up on that roof happens to fall off 10 minutes after you leave. Um, they break an arm or a leg and then have to go to the hospital. Uh, lawsuit ensues. Um, at that point, um, we were on site, we were aware of it, and we didn't do anything. So there, uh, we may carry some of that liability there, even though safety is the responsibility of the general contractor. We did not notify the GC in this instance. So we really need to make sure that we at least notify the GC not so much in kind of giving them directions or anything like that, just more of a comment of, 
hey, I noticed um, they weren't wearing any safety harnesses. Um, and then at that point, they'll take that over. So um, in this instance, we'll do something that at least acknowledges it with the general contractor so that they can correct that and continue their responsibility uh, for job site safety. That's such a good, uh, let's say, clarification because um, I feel like you're addressing the question that everyone always has, which is, okay, I'm not supposed to tell the roofers to do anything, but um, morally, I feel like I'm supposed to do something. Yep. Yep. Um, so that's a, that's a good clarification. I, rem- I feel like when I studied for this, uh, nobody kind of gave me that, uh, that clarification. It's a good one. Thank you. Yeah. We've seen it on <laughs> a couple different job sites where it's either roofing or maybe you see scaffolding or like on a second story. Uh, everybody obviously knows that there's something wrong, but it's like, how can I actually say something without, um, implicating our firm or taking on that added liability? So, yep. Uh, just making a note of it really helps out and leaving the contractor to do their job as well. Yep. Awesome. No questions over here. So uh, please continue. Okay. So our third question here, the project is nearing substantial completion. However, there has been a dispute between the owner and the contractor regarding the quality of the work. The contractor has let the schedule slip and the project is now behind schedule and accruing liquidated damages. The following factors need to be considered. Number one, the remaining contract balance is $50,700. Number two, the contractor submits its final certificate for payment in the amount of $51,800. Number three, the project has a retainage of $48,000. Number four, the project is 275 days behind schedule. The contract included $100 per day and liquidated damages for every day the project was not complete. So our liquidated damages total $27,500. And then number five, punch list items remain to be completed and are causing a delay in the owner obtaining an occupancy permit. So here we're kind of given all of this background information into understanding um, the current situation of our project. So now let's go ahead and we'll take a look at some basic definitions uh, to help us kind of get off on the same footing and the same understanding of things. So we're going to look at a question here. What is retainage? Is it a set amount in terms of financial compensation of damages owed to the owner for delay in the completion of the work? Is it B, an unidentified amount in terms of compensation, both intangible and financial, as a result of a breach of contract? Or C, a fine monetary amount that provides the owner with the assurance that the work can be completed for the unpaid contract amount. So our correct answer here is going to be C, a defined monetary amount that provides the owner with assurance that the work can be completed for the unpaid contract amount. Uh, so where we came up with this definition, we're looking at the Architect's Handbook of Professional Practice. Uh, specifically that uh, section 17.4, construction contracts. A lot of these questions um, in this division can also be uh, researched through that Architect's Handbook of Professional Practice. It is one of the resources that they list as being beneficial and helpful in your studying. So uh, we always note that as another resource you can be using to study. So the retainage, of course, works as that um, assurance 
to be able to complete that unpaid contract amount. So let's say your contractor happens to go um, bankrupt or closes uh, midway through the project. That amount of money that has been set aside can then be used to go and hire a new contractor, uh, pay for the new contracts, new materials, and things of that nature. So it's there to really help protect your owner in making sure that project gets completed. So what about our other two options here? Uh, so we're looking at um, liquidated damages and consequential damages. So liquidated damages are most frequently used to set the amount of damages owed to the owner for delay in completion of the work, generally on a per day basis, whereas consequential damages that are indirect or consequential as a result of a breach of contract. So again, all of this is listed within the Architect's Handbook of Professional Practice, uh, specifically uh, looking under that 17.4 construction contracts. Okay, so Patrick, let's go ahead and we'll work on our last one here. Uh, so we've really set the stage now. Um, we've kind of familiarized ourselves with the project. We also under some of our uh, basic definitions to be able to answer this final question, which is really, really uh, layering in a lot of information. So um, I know these videos are available on YouTube afterwards. So uh, if we fly through this a little too quickly or it's a little too complex, uh, be sure you hop over to YouTube and uh, rewatch this as many times as necessary. Just so you kind of get an understanding, uh, there are a lot of very heavy topics and dense topics in here. So um, again, we'll just go ahead and read this out so we know it. A project is nearing substantial completion. However, there's been a dispute between the owner and the contractor regarding the quality of the work. So the contractor has let the schedule slip and the project is now behind schedule and accruing liquidated damages. The following factors need to be considered. So we have a remaining contract balance of 50700 Our contractor has submitted their final certificate of payment for 51800 Our project also has our retainage of 48000 So as we know, that retainage, $48,000 has been set aside to ensure the owner that the project's going to get done. The project is 275 days behind schedule. And if we're applying our $100 per day in liquidated damages, we're going to have 27500 in liquidated damages. And then, of course, we've also got our punch list items that are still hanging out there um, that are holding up our occupancy permit there. So that's not very good uh, because we have a project that our owner cannot move into yet. So how should you advise your client to proceed? So A, continue to hold the pay request and all, until all items are completed to the satisfaction of the owner. B, only certify $24,300 to be paid because it pays the invoice and returns the liquidated damages to the owner. C, advise the client to pay the application and draft the uh, $1,100 change order for signature. Or D, advise the client to refuse to pay the application until an agreement can be reached between the two parties. Okay, so let's take a look at what our correct answer is here. We're going to advise the client to pay the application and draft the $1,100 change order for signature. Um, 
we may think, okay, why are we paying for a project that uh, the owner is unsatisfied for? Well, um, if the work has been completed in accordance with the contract documents, the architect will need to certify the certificate for payment. The owner's satisfaction would be subjective and unenforceable because it would be a matter of opinion rather than a breach of contract. So the liquid, liquidated damages could then be collected through means of mediation or arbitration, or uh, in the worst case, litigation, because the contractor has breached the contract by not completing the work within the contract time. So let's go ahead and take a look at A, B, and D as to kind of why those were not the correct answers and more importantly, what will be the outcomes or the impacts if we actually proceed with these? So let's say we're going to continue to hold the pay request until all items are completed to the satisfaction of the owner. So when a pay application is held past a set number of days, uh, most generally um, seven days or 30 days or something like that, it begins to accrue interest either at a predetermined amount or at the prevailing rate within your state. So by withholding the payment, it then generates interest and costs the client more. So how did we come up with that reasoning there? We're looking at the owner's final payment to the contractor, which is under our AIA A101-2017. So if we actually uh, continued to hold that pay application, uh, not only are we getting a product that the client is not exactly satisfied with, we're going to start to accrue interest on that. So that's one of those reasons why we really need to get that payment kind of made up front and then address some of those items later on, just so it saves your client uh, that interest payment there. Or we can look at B. So only certify $24,300 to be paid because it pays the invoice and returns the liquidated damages to the owner. So this one's incorrect. In this instance, the liquidated damages could be viewed as a penalty for the contractor, not finishing the job to the owner's satisfaction rather than due to damages accrued by the owner. So again, we're looking back to our A201-2017 uh, under our sections of 9.5 decisions with old uh, cert certification, and then also under 9.4, certificates for payment. So in this instance, the work has been completed, albeit unsatisfactorily, but it must be paid. The contractor is living up to kind of their obligation of the contract, so now it's time for the owner to go ahead and um, fulfill their end of it. It's once that contract closes out um, at a later date that those liquidated damages can be assessed because at that point you have officially breached your contract by going over your time frame. So also, let's look at uh, option D as to why this one might be incorrect. So advise the client to refuse to pay the application until an agreement can be reached between the two parties. So this one's incorrect. If the two parties must come to an agreement or fail to do so, after seven days, the contractor can stop all work on the remaining punch list items, leaving the project unoccupied until the situation is resolved so that the work can continue. So again, we're looking back at our A201 
under the section of 9.7, failure of payment. So one thing that we like to go through in our online workshops is we're really going through uh, conflict resolution and what options we have for that. So we have our IDM, our initial decision maker, uh, mediation, and then we have arbitration or litigation. So in the instance of D here, what we're doing is uh, we really need to make sure that the work continues. So us as the IDM, we need to make sure that we can keep the work continuing, uh, try and resolve it. If we can't, then it has to go into mediation. The difficult part about that is we're bringing in another party where we have to make sure we get all of these schedules uh, put together in there. So let's say your mediation takes another 30 days. Mediation is not legally binding. Uh, so then you also have to um, potentially go into either arbitration or litigation. So once you're into that arbitration or even litigation, you have to produce all of your documents and everything. And then each side has the opportunity to go back and review everybody's documents. Um, and then the arbitrator uh, will have the hearing and everything. Or within the court system, you'll have your court hearing. And then they have to hear out everybody's sides of everything. Then once um, kind of the hearing concludes, then your arbiter or your judge will have another 30 days on top of that to go and make their ruling. At that point, it becomes um, legally binding, and we have to follow that to the letter of the law there. So let's say um, if we're kind of advising our client to stop paying that application until everybody's on the same page, well, let's say we spend a week with our IDM, us, trying to work through that. We can't reach a deal. So we go into mediation. Let's say that takes another 30 days. Well, we weren't able to come up with anything productive there, so now it's going to go into arbitration. Maybe you get 60 days out of that to produce all of your documents. Each side has a couple days to review it. Uh, and then you have another 30 days just to get onto the books to have an arbitrator. Well, then you have another 30 days after the depositions and the hearings uh, for a ruling to come back. So in the meantime, your contractors have the ability to stop all work for that entire length of time. So just because it didn't meet the owner's kind of higher standards, now that project has ceased all work and is sat vacant for at least 100 to 120 days. So that's kind of why we're not picking D there and ultimately why we're going to be selecting that C. So we're going to go ahead and advise the client to pay the application. We'll draft that $1,100 change order for signature. We're going to go ahead and kind of fulfill the owner's duty on the contract, get that closed out. And then once we realize that, yes, the work has been completed, maybe not satisfactorily, but it was done 275 days after the fact, well, then we can actually go back and claim those liquidated damages. So again, that's really, really <laughs> dense information there and a lot to go over. So I would highly recommend uh, going back through uh, the YouTube channel, watching that um, and diving back in a little bit deeper. There's a lot, a lot of information there. But um, so that's kind of what we're looking at there for our four questions. So again, awesome. yep. That's a really good one, uh, Garrick. I have to tell you, it gives me like, uh, makes my stomach turn thinking about uh, 
<laughs> all my issues in this uh, particular one here. So uh, it's a lovely situation you've put together. So thank you so much for it. <laughs> yep, lovely may not be the word for it, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Real life, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, awesome. I'm taking a look at our community here. I don't see any specific questions. So you must have nailed it um, in terms of providing really clear information. So uh, so that's going to be it for today. Uh, Garrick, it's been such a pleasure to have you on. Uh, thank you so much for helping us uh, support the architecture community. Yeah, Mark, thank you very much for uh, having me on uh, and having an opportunity to reach out to your community here. Uh, and before I sign off, I just want to give a shout out. Um, I know some of my workshop folks, they've got their exams coming up yet tomorrow and then early next week. So I believe in you. Uh, good luck. I know you're going to pass. Um, so but thanks awesome. again. And uh, hope you guys enjoyed today. That's awesome. Uh, I love that, Garrick. Um, thank you so much. Um, so as a reminder for all of you, our next ARE Live will be on January 17th. Uh, of 2024. We're going to be discussing the PDD exam. Uh, you can go to blackspectacles.com slash podcast to sign up or check out the community page for this episode. Um, let's see. As a reminder, we offer a referral program for firms and schools where if you introduce us to your boss or to your uh, you know key kind of decision maker at your office, and if they sign up, uh, we'll give you a $250 gift card. To participate, follow the instructions on blackspectacles.com slash group dash referral. Um, and it's super easy. All you have to do is just email intro us and uh, we'll take it from there. Congratulations is due to Brashina. Uh, you posted on our ARE community today and you just won a free Black Spectacles t-shirt. Uh, so thank you for engaging in our community and congrats. We'll reach out to you via email to get your size and shipping information. So we'll be in touch soon. And just a reminder, if you'd like to be eligible to win a free t-shirt, post your question, uh, any question you might have about uh, any of our featured topics during our next ARE Live on our community. And, you know, you should you should know our community is always active. It's not just for ARE Live. Um, it's there to support you if you have any questions. We have licensed architects who monitor uh, questions there and, and, and provide responses and so forth. So I uh, certainly encourage all of you to take advantage of that free resource. And as a thank you uh, for participating in ARE Live today, we'd like to offer you a 15% discount off of any membership with the code LIVE15, and that is going to be valid uh, until December 26th of 2023. With that, thank you all for watching. We look forward to seeing you next month. Thanks.